We are so blessed. I get to bring to the pulpit my favorite speaker in the whole world. I'm always the one that says, I say, you're going to, you're, she always says, it's not the season of life for me. I say, wait till people discover you. You're going to be speaking at ladies' conferences and all these. I'm going to be known as Sister Dornbach's husband. Little, <laughs> little to my, little did I know, though, that I expected that that was going to be later on. Now what happens is I go to these conferences and people say, are you the King's Daughter Boutique husband? <laughs> I said, I knew this was coming. I just thought it was going to be a little bit different, different way here, um, but I'll take it. Uh, so I, my wife said to me, she says, do not embarrass me and say all these crazy things about me. But, you know, husbands get to post on Facebook. I get to talk in a microphone with a captive audience. So there ain't no way I'm going to hand this mic over that fast. Right? No, because I want you to know, because sometimes, so, so what you see, I've heard people walk up to my wife and say, I don't know how you do it all. I don't know how you do it. And I will tell you, I live in the house with her, and I often say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I mean, she, she runs a successful small business. She is the music director here at the church. She homeschools our children. She's a Bible quiz coach. That's a whole other part-time job if you're in quizzing. And uh, she makes and takes time to really care for the home, and that's what she's chosen to do, and we probably have more traditional roles, and that's the way we, we both works for us. Uh, and so she still, in all that, she makes time for me to, you know, hey, can, can I put my head on your, your lap, and, you know, can you scratch my head, or can you rub my shoulder, can you, you know, she makes time for me as being a little baby, too. She's got four kids at home half the time. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, but that's all this, this stuff she does. I think more importantly for a speaker, someone who's going to bring the word of God, more importantly than what they do is who they are. Because you will minister from your spirit. You will minister from not what you're involved in or how much you do, but you minister from the core of who you are. And that's why I'm confident that I'm going to bring a woman of God that is I get to see her every day. And it says something when the people who live with you respect you the most. Uh, you know, people talk about the scriptures that wives submit to your husbands. Man, I hate that scripture. But it goes on and says, wives love your, or husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and was willing to give himself for her. So I'm like, I got a huge responsibility there, as does she. But if we are a husband that's just saying, Submit, submit, submit. My daddy always taught me that if you love your wife as Christ loved the church, you'll never have to have a, a submission discussion, ever. Because when she sees you leading the way, she'll want to, to, to follow your lead. And, uh, and I say that because it, us husbands, we would do good sometimes to, instead of just saying, I'm making the decisions around here, I, I'm the, uh, the buck stops here, that we could say, hey, babe, what do you think about this? Because there have been a lot of times that I was ready to make some decisions that I said, Jackie, what do you think? And she says something that's opposite of me, and I have to go, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And you just saved, I'm only admitting this one time a year, so. <laughs> but uh, saves us a lot of heartache because I value my wife's walk with God 
the time she spends in the word, her integrity and character, her viewpoint on things because it's a godly, balanced viewpoint. And so I love her with all my heart. And so uh, don't you dare get up and walk out of her because I'll, I'll become security, okay? <laughs> no, just kidding. No. So I just say that all because I want you to know who we're bringing to the pulpit. It's not just, oh, she's, she's the pastor's wife. She gets to speak on Mother's Day. No, she has an incredible thought from God that is anointed and she is a powerful woman of God. And so would you do me and her this honor? Would you just stand to your feet? And would you just give a round of applause for the woman of God for this service? I'll cut it short. Yeah, right. He's dangerous. Thank you. I love you all so much. You can be seated. Uh, he always embarrasses me. It's like the dreaded part of every Mother's Day. Like, oh, just let it go. But I appreciate the kind words and his endorsement, which means a lot to me. Uh, you know, it's so funny because when he talked about if you dare get up and walk out, I had this flashback in my mind. Of, it was about close to 10 years ago. It was the first time I ever spoke. And I spoke on a Wednesday night, and there were not many people here. We had just taken over a little bitty church, and Caesar was here. <laughs> and he had just had his tonsils removed. Was it that day? That morning. But he made it to church, so faithful. And I'm speaking, and I'm so insecure about speaking. And, and Caesar falls asleep, like on the second row right here. <laughs> I didn't know he'd had his tonsils out. And I just was, you know, it was a very small group and very small setting. I was like, Caesar, wake up. I'm speaking. <laughs> and he has never let me live that down. He's like, I'm sorry. I was on high amounts of drugs. Like, the, the fact he was there was applaudable. But he's still here listening. So thank you, Caesar. Uh, we're going to do a couple of giveaways for some moms. Um, Kiera, she wanted to help me with this. Where are you, honey? All right. The first giveaway that we are going to do is to the mother that has had a baby most recently. So most recent baby. I probably know who it is, but I don't know. <laughs> Anybody have a baby in here younger than a year? <laughs> so Leslie, I think, has anybody else had a baby younger than a year? Anybody? All right, Leslie, you are our winner. Come on up. The newest mother of Refuge Church. Would you like flowers or chocolate? Flowers? I would take the chocolate every time. And give them to Sister Leslie. Congratulations. The next giveaway that we're going to give is to the mother that had a baby at the oldest age. How old were you? 42. Anybody older than 42? No one have a baby older than 42? All right. You are the winner. <laughs> Sister Michelle had some, some, that was your first kid. Oh, so your last one was later. So you were 45. She... Her and her miracle babies. 
Congratulations. And then we're going to give away a, the last prize to the lady that has the most grandchildren. Most grandchildren. So anybody have five grandkids? Five. We got two, three. Anybody have six? Six. Anybody have seven? Anybody have? How about 10? 13. How many, Sister Wallard? She's got how many? How many total? So total of 15. Okay, 16. And Lori, how many do you have? No, she bowed out. <laughs> All right, well, sister, uh, 16. You have 16. Anybody have more than 16? No? Becky, how many do you have? Oh, 17. Anybody bigger than 17? All right, I think you're the winner, Becky. Come on up. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> He's very happy. Well, happy Mother's Day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for loving your wives, like my husband talked about. I always thank my husband every year on Mother's Day for making me a mother. Because it truly is one of those things that I value so much in life, is being able and privileged to be a mother. And as always, I'm honored to speak this morning. I feel humbled and greatly challenged with the little lives that God has entrusted to me. I'm thankful and I honor my mother this morning, who I think is downstairs right now with more children. She pours out at a tremendous rate my mother um, and her investment in me and my mother-in-law and her investment and her love and support. And I'm an emotional speaker, so just bear with me. I'm cry a lot. You can cry. It's good. I'm a crier. Uh, my husband teases me that I can be talking about, like, it held outside, and tears will come to my eyes. <laughs> it's not, it's actually not a joke. It's true. <laughs> Whatever tear duct, God gave me really overactive ones. So I honor all of you this morning, all of you mothers. You are heroes who deserve to be honored. And I believe we should be honored much more than once a year. There should expect more amens on that. <laughs> uh, but you ladies are amazing, truly amazing. And today I have a very specific message to encourage some mothers out there. But it's not just a message for mothers. If you're a kid in elementary school, this message is going to be for you. If you're a teenager, it's also for you. College and career aged, it's for you. If you're a father, it's for you. If you're a grandma, grandpa, or if you just don't have any kids and you're just happy to be here, it's for you too. So I'm not just going to speak to mothers, but I do have something in my heart to share with the mothers as well. On Wednesday morning when I walked into the church, I get one week every year, I get to actually come to the office the week of Mother's Day. And I get to prepare. I don't get a whole day at the office. I would like a whole day, but it's just 
I thank my husband every year for it because I walk in and the church is quiet and it's beautiful. And I open the doors and no one is here and there's peace. And if you're a mom with little children, you understand what peace means. It's an amazing feeling. So this last Wednesday I came and all was quiet and no one was around. There were no little voices clamoring for my attention. There were no little feet following me. It was just me all alone. And I was thoroughly savoring this moment of peace. And who am I kidding? Driving in the car alone is, you know, I, I try and savor that too. Like if I'm in the car, I do not turn on the radio. It's like, just me and Jesus, just here at this moment. You know, I was really savoring this moment because every moment alone is a luxury. But yet, as, as I savored that, I realized that's not always going to be the case in my life. And one day, much sooner than I realized, this will probably be my reality. I'll probably come up to the church in peace, be here all alone. For some of you, that's your reality already. You spend a lot of time alone. Long ago, you left behind the days of clamoring voices and little feet. And now you bravely enter the next stage of motherhood, a stage that no doubt has its own challenges and its own struggles. While I am not yet there, the understanding of how soon that day will come, it has settled me in that moment. Because when that day comes, there's no going back. Gone will be the days of little bodies that want attention so badly they rarely give you a moment to breathe. The ones that search for me in the night after a scary dream. The ones that yell to me from multiple levels of our home. I need my bottom wiped! <sighs> the little bodies who snuggle next to you in the morning in our big chair that we have for cuddles. They're not going to always be there. One day they'll grow up. But for now, of a slide, I have this saying I feel so deeply. I live in a madhouse run by a little tiny army that I made myself. <laughs> Some days I think it's so hard to get out the door. Getting out the door is a full-time job. But this season will end and another one will begin. That saying in the Bible, no matter what season you're in, it came to pass. It's not always going to be that way. And I, can talk, I can't talk about that next season because I've not yet been there. I don't know what the anxiety of a mother whose child is about to leave for college feels like. I don't know the pain of watching your children struggle in their marriages, in their jobs, with infertility. I don't know that pain yet. And while what I do know sounds so beautiful when I write it on paper all alone by myself in an office. <laughs> Did I mention I was alone? I think I mentioned that. <laughs> The truth is, us mamas in this stage don't often realize how beautiful those moments are until they're gone. And lots of days we just try to keep it together while we slowly and painfully lose our selfishness one moment at a time. People will ask me, how's Titus doing? <laughs> I just smile. <laughs> I set my alarm four times a night to wake up and check on him. I have, it's like having a newborn again. But this... This reminded me of that. Friends, are you getting enough sleep? Sometimes when I sneeze, my eyes close. <laughs> and the mamas that are, have young babies and aren't yet sleeping are your nurse, and you understand that statement. But it's not true in every stage of life. 
You know, in every stage of life, we have to intentionally focus on what is good in that season or we're going to lose that season entirely. Go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. In the King James Version, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, thinking on the good isn't just a nice idea. It's literally a scriptural command. You are your thoughts. Where you allow your thoughts to go, that's where you go. And that's why the Bible talks so much about our thoughts in our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter, two, or verse, or chapter 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I ask you, do you want to be a spiritual person? Do you want to be a warrior in the spirit? Do you want to battle spiritual wickedness? It starts in our minds. We don't war after the flesh. If you look back at verses 4 and 5, we don't war after the flesh. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds in our minds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. We war by casting down imaginations and bringing our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. If you're struggling in motherhood, if you're struggling in your walk with God, if you're struggling in your marriage, the first place that we have to look is in our thoughts. Because what we're thinking, it becomes who we are and how we act. Examine your mind. What are you allowing to dwell there? Our thoughts, are your thoughts perfectly in line with the scripture? Because if they're not, we need to cast them down. We need to get them out of there. We need to be aggressive about what we put in front of our eyes and allow into our minds. What materials we read, what posts we dwell on, what media is allowed to influence us. We truly don't realize the impact that the culture around us has on our relationships. If you're somebody that watches sitcoms on TV, Notice the relationships, and I do not recommend that you watch sitcoms on TV. I'm just saying that. <laughs> so, but notice the relationships in any commercials even that you watch. It's a constant degrading of the family unit, degrading of the man of God, or the father of your family, and who is the man of God. When he serves God, the man in your home is the priest of your home. He is going to give an account to God for your family. So ladies, be aware of that. Support that. Don't tear that down. And our culture tears it down so much. They tear down men. They tear down the family unit. So be aware of how those things influence your thinking without you even realizing what's going on. We've got to take those thoughts and make them captive and make our mind become in obedience with the word of God. So if you've learned something in the word of God and the snake comes and says, hmm, hath God said, we have to get it out. You know, the devil, he doesn't have any new tricks. He's still doing the same thing that he always did, which is presenting questions into your mind. Do you really think that God cares about that? Do you really think that that matters? I'll tell you one thing. In my 
in my uh, relationship with God. And I know I started off kind of like, whoo, <laughs> so we can all just relax. I'm going to get to a little bit of other stuff later. But when I was preparing, this was hard in my spirit because I think that so many of our struggles originate in the way that we think. Because we don't think according to the word of God, and we don't take our minds and bring them captive into obedience of Christ. But we let the devil sneak in, and we just let him throw those questions, and we dwell on those questions in our mind. And if those questions are in your mind, what you need to do is combat them with the word of God. Get the word of God into your spirit and get that other stuff out of there, and it'll push out. Because the devil, he presents the questions like, do you really think that that's important? Do you think that that matters? You know, in my relationship with my husband, which God uses the analogy of the body of Christ, or of the church being like the bride of Christ. And so I can often think of my relationship with God in the physical terms that I think of with my relationship with my husband. You know, how many times has he wanted that head scratch <laughs> that he talked about? And I was just like, you serious right now? <laughs> Do you realize the kind of day that I've had? Can I stay married if I don't scratch your head right now? Sometimes we approach our relationship with God like that, though. Like, here's the minimum. Can I stay saved if I just give you this much? Versus, I love you, so I'm going to give things that I think may bring you joy. I'm going to give my worship like Brother Foster, Foster talked about today, which was awesome. I stumbled because it was so good. And I love hearing a word like that before the worship service. You could feel the response of that. But, you know, we so often do things at the very minimum in our relationship with God. Like, mm, is it really that big of a deal? Is it really going to matter that much? Instead of being, okay, I can stay married if I never give him another head scratch. I bet I can. <laughs> but he wouldn't be nearly as happy. And in my relationship with God, there's things that I'm going to give to God that, yeah, maybe I can stay saved if I don't give those things. But just staying saved is not my goal. My goal is to be passionately in love with my Savior, and to be someone that pleases him so much. And when we look at our relationship with God like that, it changes the dynamic. Because it's not about something I have to do, but it's about something I want to do. Or maybe some nights that I force myself to do because I push my selfishness away. Fasting's like that, too. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> but it's not even what my message is about this morning. So, but I really felt that when I was prepping, so I wanted to share those things. But a few years ago, and this is what my message really is about, and I won't be super long, I promise. But a few years ago when my husband was in graduate school, he was part of an online course in which the instructor was really challenging pastoral and ministerial stress. I, of course, was privileged to also get my master's degree along with him. <laughs> you all laugh. Except no one at Urshan ever gave me a diploma or recognized the hours upon hours of lecture, discussion, and sacrifice that I too made. I had two children while he went to mass to get his degree. <laughs> yes, let's just talk about that for a while, right? <laughs> but no one ever gave me uh, a degree. However, I did learn a lot. And since the two become one in marriage, I do consider myself to have an advanced education. In this particular class, his professor was talking about caring for yourself in the midst of ministry. And he made the statement that what you invest in today, you will reap the benefits of 10 years from now. His preface related to our personal health, emotional, mental, and physical. 
He had seen far too many engaged in ministry at the cost of their own health, well-being, and their families. But that statement, what you invest in today, you will reap the benefits of 10 years from now, it mulled over and over again in my mind. Over and over it turned. It didn't just have to do with my health. It had to do with my life. Every area of life. It was a simple statement that honestly, when I talked to my husband about it later, he didn't even remember it being said, but it had come alive to me in that moment. Just like God works, there'll be a message, and sometimes it amazes me. People will come up, Pastor Lord preached a message, and people will just be like, yeah, when he was talking about this, it just, oh, it got right in my spirit. And I think, he said that? I had no idea he said that. But the word of God goes, and it pricks us where we need to be pricked at whatever season that we're in. And so this was, for me, that was the season that I was in. That's what I needed to hear from that lecture. And so what you invest in today, it just kept coming in my mind. What you invest in today, you're going to reap the benefits of 10 years from now. What you invest in today, you're going to reap the benefits of 10 years from now. And if you'll show my title slide, I'm going to talk about making the investment. <laughs> this is how I feel most Sundays. Any other moms in the house understand what I'm saying? It's how you feel most days. Okay, you guys got to wake up a little. Okay, everybody, let's try again. Any moms know what I'm talking about? Yay, good, good job. <laughs> so today I'm going to talk about making the investment. I began examining what I was investing in during this stage of my life. I'm not just talking about financially. However, I do love to talk about finances. And if you don't invest, you should and if you say, I don't invest because I don't have enough money, or I'm in debt, or I never have enough, I have a really, really awesome book for you. And you should come see me, because I would love to help in that area, because I really, really like finances. But I'm not talking about investing in finances today. Over and over again in my mind was this statement, and God has a lot that he wants to say about investing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 18. A wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I'm turning my whole body this morning, and I apologize, because I woke up with a completely stiff neck, so I feel like a robot. <laughs> Every moment I'm like, let me turn and see what the thing says. So you have to put up with me and my silliness. But the Bible has a lot to say about reaping and sowing, and about investing. So the statement of reaping 10 years from now was clearly backed by scripture. And obviously, 10 years is just a, a time frame. There's gonna be shorter times of investing, and there's gonna be longer times of investing. But it made me stop for a moment and really think about what I was investing my time in. Sometimes in life, we get so busy doing the day-to-day -day that we forget to keep our eyes where we're heading. I had to ask myself some hard questions and today, these questions I want to present to you. I want to present to you mothers, but also to your spouses, to our children, 
to extended family, to every person listening to this message. We have to ask ourselves, and I want us to really take a moment and ponder these things. First question, are the things that I'm investing in or spending time in right now going to benefit my walk with God, my family, and my personal health 10 years from now? If 10 years from now, I only received the benefits of the choices I made today, what would my future look like? Am I happy with this future? When it comes to mothering, how are the things that I'm doing right now going to impact my children? Do my choices bless them or harm them? And how do your choices bless or harm your marriage? We constantly emphasize at Refuge Church that our choices should reflect the hierarchy of God, God first in everything that we do, and then our family, and then ministry. And we never want to get those out of order because that's when we run into trouble. Are my investments following that, that order? Is God the number one thing in my life? Is my family the number two thing in my life? And is ministry the number three thing? You know, and as I thought of the season that we're in here at the church, it was beautiful that when I close my eyes and I think about the church 10 years from now, I see our investments in this season. Some of us literal investments in this season. We have an ongoing joke in our small group. We think of all these things that we want to do and they're like, no. Nope. Can't do that. We're in a building campaign. We're in a stewardship campaign. We always talk about how we're going to have money in two years. We, we know it. We can see it. But right now, we're sacrificing deeply in the kingdom of God. We're sacrificing in ministries, not even just in finances, but some of you have started and are spearheading new ministries and doing new things in the kingdom of God. We're sacrificing in discipleship. Some of you very deeply in, in pouring your lives into other people and creating disciples. But this seed, when I look at it 10 years from now, it's so easy to visualize what God, I mean, you could just close your eyes and imagine what the church will look like in 10 years. Just do that for me for a moment. In your mind, what would church, this church look like in 10 years based on your sacrifice and what you're doing? It's an investment into something so much bigger than ourselves. And for every person in the midst of this investment, I applaud you. You guys are doing an amazing job. Every person working at the church. Let's just take a moment and clap our hands for them. I appreciate you all. So as I spoke in the, my opening of this message about being alone at the church, I realized that solitude is not my investment in this season. I am young, fairly young. <laughs> I still consider myself young. At what point do we stop considering ourselves young? Does it happen? <laughs> no, Sister Alice says no. <laughs> I have health and energy still, and I have been gifted with three beautiful children to invest in. This is not my season of solitude. There's a statement that says motherhood is not a calling. It is not a hobby. It is not something that you can do if you squeeze the time in. 
It's what God gave you time for. And right now, it's what God gave me time for. This is my season of pouring out at a rate that I will probably never again encounter in my life. I will never be as needed as I am right now. The choices that I make in these 10 years with my children, with our business, with ministry, will impact the rest of my life. And the same is true for you. Whatever season that you are in, the choices that you're making right now will determine the next 10 years of your life. So if someone was to ask you what the number one priority or goal of your life is, what is your response? What is the number one priority and goal of your life? Because what we invest our time and efforts in, that should match our number one goal and priority. If someone asks me, and I'm going to be transparent with you this morning, that's the kind of person that I am. You all know that already, but I'm a real person, and I don't do a lot to hide things or make them what they're not. I even told you I have a stiff neck, you know, that's just who I am. But my number one priority in life is that I must be saved. Really, at the end of the day, we get so caught up in other things. But the Bible talks about how it profits you nothing if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul. So every decision that I make is going to follow the number one tier. I've got to be saved. And my number two priority in life, which really goes hand in hand, is that my family must be saved. My children must be saved. So every decision that I make first must pass the test of these two things. Is this something that's going to help me be saved? And is this something that's going to help my children be saved? And I know that I cannot make my children's decisions for them. But I will invest every ounce of strength during this time to make sure that I do everything I can to make these priorities reality. And I'm going to be really, really honest for a moment. And I pray that you all can understand the heart from which I speak. Because I love you. And I love your children. But when it comes to our children, we cannot invest our finances and resources into making sure they're involved in all the sports teams and all the competitions and all the things at school or all of their hobbies while neglecting to make the sacrifices of sending them to church camps or making sure they get there for Sunday school on time or Wednesday night rock church and then be surprised when they don't have hearts that seek after God. Because where your heart is, that's where you're going to put your finances. And if you're putting your finances in all these other things that have to do with your children, maybe your heart's not really in making God the number one priority. We cannot neglect what actually lasts and what actually matters, or we're simply deceiving ourselves. We must make tough choices as parents. You know, mothers, if you have babies that are in that young age or season, you only have really a few short years with them. Few short years to make those investments. And then we have to remove our hands from molding and pray that we've invested the right things. Even ministry, as important as it is, it's second to our children. And we often talk about that importance in disciple, of discipling here at Refuge Church, discipling people. And let me clearly state that if you are a mother, your first and most important disciples are those children in your home. There are a lot of you that I would love to pour more into. But in the season of life that I am in right now, I can't. 
because I can't disciple other people because I have limited amounts of time. So I can love you and I can counsel with you, but I can't be what I would be or what I probably will be 10 years from now in some of your lives. Because right now, I have this little bit of, bitty amount of time in which to disciple my children. And then that season has passed. Where'd my hanky go? I brought one because I knew I was going to cry. I left it over here. <laughs> I'll just go grab it. Uh, me and my tears. So annoying. Yeah. Had something hot on it too. <laughs> anyway, we can we have to invest in what actually matters, or we simply deceive ourselves. As Andy Stanley has stated, stated, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something that you do, but someone that you raise. We had a close friend in Wisconsin, and his dad was a pastor when he was growing up, and he had three children, and they were pastoring a small church. And he just felt like his kids were not doing well. They were not thriving. And so he stopped pastoring. And he went and he just attended a church and just became a lay member minister at a church. And I don't know that he ever did go back to full-time pastoring. But both of his sons now pastor churches and are fully immersed in the kingdom of God. And so what he did by taking that season of time and saying, no, my children come before my ministry, is he actually multiplied his ministry. And so sometimes we have to remember that our greatest contribution may not be greeting at the front door. And, you know, my husband can clean it all up later because we need greeters and we need people that are working in ministry, but not to the point where it's sacrificing your family. Never to the point where it's sacrificing your family. So these thoughts drive my decisions, and I made a choice to put my children in Bible quizzing, even though it is one of the most demanding things that they could do, which he was talking about. But I choose this willingly. Sometimes I think I'm crazy every day, because the Word of God, it doesn't return void, and so it matches the number two priority of my life, which is that my kids serve God, because I'm getting as much Word into them as I can. And I personally make the choice to homeschool, and I know that this is a personal choice, and that people can become very defensive about their choice. And so please understand, I'm not here to tell any of, you, any of you that you need to homeschool or that this is what you need to do. But I'm sharing my heart and what I do. And I choose to homeschool, even though homeschooling is really hard. Sister Colthorpe talks about how don't ever homeschool unless you are called to homeschool. Because it... <laughs> It will about kill you, but it's hard. I have my kids nearly every moment of every day. I teach them everything that they learn. They are with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unless a grandma takes them, in which I'm so grateful. Hallelujah. Sometimes to the point that I just feel like running and hiding, if only for a few moments. But at the end of the day, I am the one investing in their lives. I will never get this time with them back again. Their worldviews are not being shaped by anyone else. They're being shaped by me. Their little impressionable minds are being filled with godly principles. And that is why I sacrifice so deeply to homeschool them. And homeschooling has been proven to be a powerful education. But even if it wasn't, that's not the number one reason that I choose it. My goal is not to raise the smartest children in the world. 
My goal is that my children love and serve God with all their hearts, and everything else is secondary. And my point is not homeschooling. My point is just to get us thinking about what are we investing in? What are we putting our time and our resources into with our children? And Sister Janae, you can come. So I'm going to close. And as I close, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What you invest in today, you will reap the benefits of 10 years from now. And sometimes this scripture fits my day. I don't know. I found it funny. Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out with weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And there are some days that I'm planting those seeds and I'm watering them with tears. I'm watering them with frustration. I'm watering them with exhaustion. I'm watering them with the tears that come from sacrificing and investing so much. And mama's out there, you're doing the same thing. So it's okay to cry those tears. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're changing the world. One investment at a time. And one day it says we're going to come home with shouts of joy and the rewards of our investments with us. Because what you invest in today, you're going to reap the benefits of 10 years from now. So whatever season of life you're in, let's just make sure that our times, our talents, and our treasures, like we talked about in our stewardship campaign, measures up with where our priorities are in our life. And as I've spoken today, whether you're a mom or you're not a mom, God has probably quickened your spirit with something that maybe you're investing your time in that doesn't match your priorities. Or maybe something he wants you to do differently to line up with those priorities. Because that's the way that God's word works. He always challenges us in the area that we're in. But this last week, I felt God remind me of a time in my life that I had made other investments. I was a teenager, not yet a mother. And I literally felt myself, as I was praying, almost have a vision of this flash before my mind, which is why I share it. I was young, but I had felt a quicken in me to sanctify my life to, in service to God every single day. And so I made some commitments to God as a young teenager, 14, that I would sanctify each day to Him, that there would never be a day that would go by where I wouldn't be spending time with him in prayer and spending time with him in the word. And I just, I felt this calling on my life. And so I did these things and I promised. And God had literally brought a vision in my mind of myself. Now it's been 20 years ago. I was at my grandma's house in Stockton. It was a rare time. We very rarely got time alone with my grandma, my mom's mom. And we were about to go do something for the day. And I asked her if we could first go to the prayer room at CLC, which was the college that I eventually, or the, the church that I eventually went to college at because they had a Bible school there. And I had told her that I had committed that I wouldn't go a day without prayer and that I just needed to go for a little while. And 
And as I thought back on this memory, it was like so clear, just such a clear vision in my mind. God really impressed on me that it was about 10 years after that moment, at the very young age of 24, that I became the pastor's wife of this church in Liberty, Missouri. And it's now been another 10 years. And I stand up here speaking this message. And it has been the investments 10 years by 10 years by 10 years that make a life. And the things that we invest in in these moments are the things that will lead us to where God wants us to be in the next 10 years. Will your relationship with God be stronger than it is right now, 10 years from now? Or will it be weaker? That choice is up to you. Will you have done everything that you can do to help you mold your kids into disciples of Christ? Or will you look back and say, I could have done more there? It's your choice in that season. So I'd like us all to stand. And I invite you to take some time this morning and to really think, God, what is it that I can do? What is it that you would have me to do? Where are you leading me in the next 10 years? Because I wanna make sure that the choices that I make right now, that they reflect where you want me to go. So I invite you this morning, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, children, teens, everyone, let's come spend some time talking to God about where he would like us to be and what choices he would like us to make. Jesus, I pray this morning that my choices would reflect you, Lord. Oh, God, I want to be molded by you. I want to be shaped by you, God. I want the things that you choose for me. I want to align my life. I want to align my life in obedience unto your word, unto your ways to invest in what really matters, God. Lord, I want to make the investments in the things that will last, not be caught up in the temporal not be caught up, God, in what does it really matter, Jesus. But Lord, help me, I pray. Help me, Lord, to 